Welcome to the Digital Thoughts Podcast. My name is Zan Sayed, and I am a pharmacist turned product manager. I have almost 10 years of clinical experience in oncology, ranging from inpatient all the way to outpatient. My goal with this podcast is to bring people from all sides of the conversation together so that we can learn from each other and build a better healthcare system. In this podcast, we discuss everything digital health from the people to the products. If you do enjoy what you listen to, please consider giving this podcast a five-star rating in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It really does help a lot. Thank you very much, and let's get into the episode. Today, we have an awesome guest. His name is Jonathan Klaus. Now, he is a healthcare consultant focusing on operations and strategy. In this episode, we talk about why fax machines are an actual solution in healthcare, unfortunately, what problems should we be solving in healthcare with technology, why the current way we document is taking us further away from our patients, and why clinicians are perfectly suited for a career in health tech. This is a great episode, and I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Hey, Jonathan, how are you doing? Actually, Good, how are you? I consider you a friend. <laughs> well, that's good, that's good. I didn't put myself out there too much. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so for those who don't know you, um, could you give us a little background about you, a little introduction? Sure. Um, so I am a registered nurse. Um, been a registered nurse for about 15 years. Uh, nursing is actually my second career. My first career was uh, finance, working in big banking. Um, but yes, yeah, so I've been a registered nurse for about 15 years. Uh, now, I my last job was as a manager for cardiac procedural areas. And um, left that job in February, decided I want to get into more of the healthcare technology space, just a lot of the problems and issues I've seen surrounding it, um, and fell in fell into a little bit of consulting. So that's actually what I've been doing, um, but, you know, maybe looking for something more permanent, more full-time now. So we'll see. Yeah, very cool, very cool. Um, so you've been a nurse for a very long time. Um, and, and you're also interested in technology. So that's what I kind of want to bring you on. I wanted to bring you on because I think that it's important to bring the clinician side as well uh, in this whole conversation. I think that we focus so much on the technology and what it can bring. I don't think we ever really think about uh, the bad and even the good that it does on the other end. So I wanted to start the conversation off with just technology. What do you think, how do you think it should be approached in healthcare? That's a big question, uh, I know. But, yeah. but I mean, in the sense that, like, what what problems should we be solving, right? Because there's a lot of problems that are being solved, but what problems do do we really need to be solving right now? Right. So that's, um, oh, my God, we need to solve all of them, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't, there's no magic bullet for that. Uh, so how do you, so where do you start? And I think my thought is that we should start with a novel approach and look at it from the clinical perspective. Uh, so what do, you know, what are we putting on clinicians for documentation and how they use technology and how does all that integrate? Um, you know, interoperability is huge. That's still a, a, a big mess for, for technology, but, you know, just how do the interfaces even work? Um, you know, we've seen so much with, you know, I went from paper documentation to like, DOS-based documentation systems to, you know, current EHR iterations, and and each one has gotten progressively worse, right? <laughs> um, and so it's a challenge, and I think the the problem when you're when you're looking at 
implementing technology in healthcare is everybody wants to wants a silver bullet to, to solve all the problems, right? Um, and that just doesn't happen. And you get all these stakeholders in the room, and everybody has an equal voice. So you're trying to solve a problem for this, trying to solve a problem for that, trying to solve a problem for you know something else, and and the clinician the clinician voice gets lost in that. Um, so you you know from what I've seen, you end up optimizing a system for administrative purposes by saying, oh, well, all the clinician needs to do is this, you know, and you do that a hundred times. So now, you know, you end up with what we have now. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, and, and, you know, and then you have one, pro one thing that's being done a hundred times and you add another thing on top of that, that needs to be done a hundred times. And you add another thing on top of it that needs to be done a hundred times. I think people get the point here. Yeah. I think the, the biggest issue that I have with, technology in healthcare is that the old way of doing it never leaves because mm -hmm. for a couple of reasons, a, the technology doesn't fill all the holes, like all the gaps, right? It's a very pointed solution. B, I mean, there's a lack of, I don't want to say this wrong. There's people that are unwilling to change and those people are in power or in powerful positions. So they do not want to change the status quo. Right. Um, but I do think that technology does play a role in that as well, because I think when, when like solutions are brought out, like you mentioned, the clinician's voice is not really heard. Um, and that can be very problematic, as you can probably say. You know, you've, you, you've been um, in the manager position. You've been in the room with these kind of um, conversations. What would you tell people that are coming up with solutions, like, what should they be thinking about when they're coming up with a solution? Oh God. Um, I, you know, I think if, um, you know, if you want to come up with a solution that's really going to solve clinical problems, get a clinical person in there early and, and deeply and not just, um, you know, not just uh, a name or a title, not like, Oh, we've got the chief medical officer from, you know, XYZ health system, the, the, the higher up you get in any healthcare organization, the less you know what actually happens, like how people actually use technology or, or systems or processes in, in healthcare. Um, and that's true even for me as a frontline manager, you know, you, you start to lose a lot of the actual day-to-day -day minutia that happens. Um, you know, I still see a lot of it and I still saw a lot of the workarounds and everything, but, you know, you still miss a lot of that. So I think it's really important, you know, if, if you're doing that, get, get someone to tell you what actually happens and not what theoretically happens. Yeah. Right? Cause, cause like you said, we, we pile technology on top of technology uh, processes on top of old processes, but nobody has any, Nobody other than a clinician has any incentive to go back and say, wait a minute, can we just take out this old piece here and do, you know, instead of doing step A, B, and C, can we just do step C and B in that order? Because that'll work better 90% of the time and eliminate step A. Nobody has any incentive to do that. <laughs> yeah, no. And um, so... So, no, I completely agree with you. And I think clinicians <laughs> need to get involved and they are getting involved. But I think 
what got us into this mess personally is, I mean, I, I, I now I've talked to like people on both sides. I'm a clinician, so obviously yeah. I talk to <laughs> clinicians. <laughs> yeah. And then I've talked to people that are creating solutions, you know, being in the tar- startup space and just talking to different people like on this podcast or just in just like networking and stuff. And I think what one thing that is missing and the one thing I'm trying to do with this podcast and hopefully I eventually do it is trying to connect both sides together. And I think that at least during my career, it's been very adversarial, right? They each side doesn't each side is constantly fighting with each other, right? The technology side is like, hey, you guys don't want to come to the new the new age and you guys are forcing us to go back with all these, you know, these things you're talking about. Um, and then the 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 healthcare side, the clinicians are like, you know, every single thing that has come out to quote unquote help us has hurt us. You know, the whole EMR revolution that I think that was so it was so hyped as it should have been Mm -hmm. uh, and it delivered so many problems. So I think there's just this general distrust that exists. I don't know. What do you think? Yes, I I agree. Um, But I think what we're also seeing is that clinicians want to be more involved, um, you know, in, in saying, Hey, we can do this better. You know, there's a better way to do this. Um, but they're not really being heard in that sense. And I think you see a lot of it as the healthcare has become more corporate, right? You develop more corporate structures. People are more frustrated. That's also true in healthcare, right? You see nurses, doctors, pharmacists, everybody kind of just leaving the profession and saying, I'm done. You know, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't jump through hoops to make these systems work, to make these processes work. It's, you know, it's just too draining. Um, so I think, you know, I think there's a huge opportunity to tap into that to, to understand why, but uh, like, as you said, both sides need to come together for that. You know, it needs to, it needs clinicians to say, you know, yes, I'm willing to to do this, and and the like technology companies or people developing trying to develop solutions to say, you know, yes, I want to hear you, and I will like listen and respond and act on this. So, yeah, no, I, I I agree with that too, and I think that I think we have to take some blame for it as well because mm-hmm. I think I think we at least in my career, we've always looked outside for help, right? We're always looking for other people to help us, whether you know, whether it be like, you know, Amazon, Google, whatever, you know, I pick a company, Epic, <laughs> and, or, you know, or the government or something else. Like every, we're always looking outside to help us. But I think until recently, we haven't really taken the reins and tried to help ourselves. And I, and I think the biggest, I think the biggest example of this is during the EMR revolution, right? It was, there wasn't a lot of clinicians that, really thought about it and they really didn't jump into it you know saying mm-hmm. early enough right now obviously we're all like up in arms and this is <laughs> you know I've, I've i've read like people are trying to sue the emr companies because of what they're doing but yeah. i mean it's a little too late in my opinion but what we can do is be involved in the next revolution which will be ai which will be all these point solutions and like you mentioned it the connectivity of everything, right? Like we need to get involved because if we don't get involved again, five, 10 years from now, we're going to be saying the same thing. Like, Oh my God, this sucks. And then you're going to start seeing more and more people leave. Yeah. No, 100%. And yeah, I agree with you. I think um, like AI is, is a huge opportunity for, for this, you know, like the large language models and that kind of thing. Um, you know, how do you, 
I think like one of the one of the articles I wrote um, talked about, you know, it's just a health record is just a patient's story, right? It's the story of the life that has a beginning, has an end. They all have the same beginning in the end. Um, but you know what makes a difference and what impacts the the length of the story and and you know just the how exciting the story is, how different the story is, is there all the words in between. And I think with EMRs, we try to rather than allowing like clinical staff to tell the story and build on the story for each other, we've taken it out and just made a bunch of check boxes. So you know, and, and in that you you lose a lot of the detail of of what happens in healthcare of how the interactions happen, you know? So if you're looking at like a primary care practice, you have a person come in, you know, they talk to the, the front desk person for 10 minutes checking in. Then they go, they see the nurse for like another 15 minutes, you know, as part of the pre-scheme. Then they see the doctor for like, what, seven minutes or something. So, but everybody, everybody in that interaction builds on the story or, or has something to add. Um, and we've kind of taken that out of the EMR, uh, you know, that, that, collaborative process of why things are happening, why patients aren't responding to treatments, giving the feedback to the doctor of, oh, well, this is what happened in their life, you know, and, and everybody kind of adds on to that. So, um, you know, one of the other things I said is, you know, maybe we need more of a, a CRM solution like Salesforce, you know, because you are, you're building a relationship and, and how do you manage that relationship, but also how do you get the details of, of a person's health out of that, so. And that's where I think interoperability is is huge to allow these different solutions to really build on that story and do something meaningful. Yeah, no, um, you know how much I love CRMs. I I wrote yeah. about CRMs. <laughs> yes. Um, and I, I I agree with you. I think that we need to fundamentally change the way the patient provider relationship is. Not not physically, but electronically, yeah. and. We need to re-look at it because, um, and I think people don't realize this, but with, with, the ad, with, with EMRs starting, what happened with EMRs was they took paper records and they just digitized them. They didn't really take paper records and think about, hey, how is this going to look like on a phone? How is this going to look like on an iPad? How is this going to look like on rounds moving around, right? You know, before they were walking around with paper. Now they're walking around with this computer all over the place. You know, like no one really thought about that, but, mm -hmm. right? So that's causing a lot of issues right now. And yeah. I don't really know where I'm trying to go with this, but, uh, you know, I mean, like we need to really think about what the interaction is from the electronics mm -hmm. perspective. I personally think CRMs are perfect for healthcare because they give you, I mean, just replace C, the C for customer and replace it with patient. And you can, I mean, you can multiply us right that's one of the biggest problems is we can only do one thing at a time but we're told we're we're expected to do many things at a time i mean you as a nurse know <laughs> you know with your experience as a nurse you know more than what more you know exactly what i'm talking about yeah. and see things like crms can really help a lot where it can automate to reach outs it can automate these kind of things that can be automated you know mm -hmm. yeah no there's definite opportunities for there just you know even you know like <laughs> text messages can we automate a text message after a patient gets a new prescription to say hey did you fill this prescription <laughs> you know respond yes or no why are you why are in um you know and if yes are you taking it are you having any side effects you know you can automate a lot of that and then 
put that in there? Or, you know, are you having problems with this medication? Would you like to talk to a pharmacist? Because you probably don't need to talk to the primary care doctor. But the conversation with that pharmacist does need to go back to the primary care doctor. Does need to go back to that, you know, those staff there. So, how do you how do you get all that together? And I think you know, like like you said, a CRM or a PRM solution is <laughs> you know is a great option for that to to see that journey and that that relationship all together. Yeah. No. I. I mean. I, I no one has convinced me of that, but yeah, <laughs> but uh, no, I think that, and then, and the other reason I want to bring you on is you do have a newsletter. You touched on that. Um, mm -hmm. And we'll have that link below. I mean, I love your perspective that you bring. Um, I think everyone brings their own perspective. You kind of bring a very like, a, first of all, you are extremely detailed and people need to read your newsletter because it, it has so much information in it, not in a bad way, like overwhelming. It's like very like thoughtfully written and it's very like, it tells you exactly why, why you're saying what you're saying. And I think that that's really important, right? Cause not everyone can get on a phone and whatever. So definitely subscribe to this newsletter, <laughs> but I love the way you bring up things as you kind of, you, you just explain it in a very, a way that makes sense and it really is deep and thoughtful. So, um, and you know, you had mentioned about that, but you know, things that are not deep and thoughtful that you talk about are fax machines. <laughs> and I do want to touch on fax machines. That. Oh, I love I love the little fax machine, little beige box in the corner of the office. It's great. <laughs> Why? Why fax machines? So this so for people that don't know, um, I am on a crusade to get rid of fax machines. He is on a crusade to keep them. But you know what? I I when you hear him explain why, it makes sense. And it also shows why we have failed the system. And this is not to be funny, but I think that when you when we were talking, this is I mean obviously I was joking around, but when we were talking, and this is why I, I like you and your perspectives, is because you really do think about the whole picture. You think about the workflow. You think about everything because you have actual firsthand knowledge. So do you guys? So as much as I hate fax machines, I do agree with what you're saying. So do you want to give your argument for fax machines for the sure. listener? Yeah, I mean, other than and keeping all these these people <laughs> that build fax machines employed, um, you know, um, yeah, no. So the way a fax machine works and why it still works in healthcare. Um, one, because we don't have interoperability done correctly. But when um, when you look at the workflow of, of how you get a fax, so you get a fax, right? You get this piece of paper. The, the admin takes a piece of paper, looks at it, and then they delegate it to whoever needs to see it, right? So you get the fax, the admin gets it, and they look at it. They say, oh, this looks like something the nurse should handle. The nurse will look at it and go, yes, I can handle this. No, I cannot. If the nurse can't, then they escalate it to like the physician. Um, so it's a process of escalation. And what we've done with the, like in the EHRs or any really patient communication, they're always saying, oh, message your doctor immediately. 90% of the time you don't need to message your doctor. The doctor doesn't really need to be involved in the interaction. A nurse can handle it or you know, an admin can handle it, um, you know, and, and so the, the fax machine works because it's a, an escalatory process, right? So it's, if, if the lowest person can handle it, then it goes up to the next highest level, then the next highest level. Whereas now we've done, we have the highest person gets it, your most expensive person to handle the admin, and then it filters down from there. You know, he looks at it and goes, oh, I don't need to handle this, hands it to the nurse. 
the nurse looks at it and goes, I don't need to handle this and hands it to the admin. You know, so it goes backwards. So now you're taking up time on with your most expensive employees to handle the administrative tasks. Yeah, I mean, and and I still hate fact machines, but I I, 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 I actually know, don't like them, but they just work. No, no, you you are the you are the you are the fax machine person now. <laughs> no, but I mean, but all kidding aside, I think that you bring up such a good point. Um, we are in such dire need for interoperability in healthcare that something like the fax machine is an actual solution that solves an actual problem. And the other thing that you didn't touch on that you've talked to me about before is when you're going between clinic to clinic, right? Um, it's not always easy to, you know, you just talked about just within the one clinic. Yeah. You know, sometimes patients are going within multiple clinics. And that's one of the reasons why you said that it's also really important to have fax machines still is because we don't have a good way of communicating between other clinics. Do you want to touch yeah. on that a little bit as well? Yeah. So, I mean, even, you know, and especially with all like the point source solutions, healthcare solutions that are kind of coming out there is just communicating in between clinics. Um, you know, I ran a cardiology procedural areas, right? We have, we need patients history and physicals. How do you get that? Well, you get it through the facts because you can't always get all the information you need from the EHR if they're different EHRs. So you get this long story of a patient's HMP through a fax that then gets scanned into the EHR. And now you need images. So now what do you do? You have a patient go from their imaging center, get a CD and carry it over <laughs> to the, you know, to, to our hospital where it's loaded up into the imaging system. That's great. You know, so, you know, one of my solutions was can we fax images? That would be great. Uh, but um, it's, it, yeah, so it's, the interoperability is key, and that's what we haven't gotten. You know, you can't, can't really share meaningful information on patients. Um, you know, you can't share imaging results. So how do, you, how do you work around that? Well, you fax the H&P. That gives you the whole story of the patient. You know, what's their background, why they're there, um, what has been done before. Uh, and how do they get to this point? Um, you know, and then you have them come in with this MRI, you know, an MRI of the heart that we need to run to do this procedure. So, you know, that's kind of how it happens. And, you know, everybody's like, oh, electronic health records are going to solve this. Well, it would if they actually talked to each other and gave us meaningful, relevant information. Yeah. And I hope everyone that heard that is shocked and in awe and just mortified because that is what we're dealing with. And that's the real true reality of the back end of what is happening in healthcare. And I'm not saying this as a joke. I'm saying that when you have a system where a fax machine is a viable solution over what we have, we have a problem. Mm -hmm. And I really, really want people to really digest what you just said in the last couple of minutes, because it is a reality and it's a I, I say this all the time, the, the system that we, that we practice in, being the healthcare system, is set, uh, has, sets us up to fail, but we constantly fight against it. You know, people like yourself fight against it, try to find better solutions with what we have and what we're dealing with, and we win more often than not. And if we can just get together with, you know, people on the other side, technology people, really smart technology people, and, you know, and get clinicians like yourself together we can do so much because i tell people like hey if you give us 
the hospital system, the clinicians, whoever, people working in hospitals, just a little bit of help. I mean, look at what we're doing now with no help, actually negative help in some cases. <laughs> and just think about what we could get done if we just had a little bit of positive momentum. Yeah, no, I mean, it'd, it'd, be, it'd be miraculous. Uh, you know, and it's, it's hard to explain how things actually work in the back end, right? Why? Because like I said before, you know, we, we've established this process and nobody has a, a, an incentive to, other than the clinician, to say that, no, this isn't working. We do it, you know, it will work better with, you know, doing B and C rather than A, B and C. Um, but to do that, you need time and effort to go through and prove why. And then the other side of that is with any clinical process, whether it, you know, especially anything dealing with patient care. Now you have to say, well, I'm not going to do step A, even though that's best practice because it doesn't make sense. I'm going to do step B. <clears throat> you know, you can never say that as a clinician. You can never say that I knowingly did not do this because it's required. But nobody says, why is it required or is it even still required? You know, so it's because nobody has the incentive to do that, right? <laughs> Other yeah. than us. And we don't have the time to do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just smiling over here because I can, I can just think about all the emails that we get sent saying that we need to do this. And you're like... Mm -hmm what why why you know it's yeah. not helping because it's just feel, it's just checking a box and i mm -hmm. think that i understand regulations and i understand that there needs to be a systematic way of going through things because every person should get the same exact care mm -hmm. but why are we so focused on that end and not focused on the actual care that the person is getting yeah mm -hmm. we can check a box saying we did something but did we actually do it you know how are we checking that part off like you know like there's yeah. There's this, uh, this massive misalignment, and I understand why it exists because of reimbursements and things like that, but, you know, maybe we should be looking at, you know, those reimbursements and how they're being done rather than telling us, like, hey, you need to do this, you need to check this box off, you need to write this note. I mean, you can say probably better than I do because pharmacists, in general, we, I mean, we will write a couple of notes here and there, but can you, can you kind of open the window as to... <laughs> documentation in healthcare and how it's so overburdening? Sure. Um, so when you look at like documentation <laughs> in healthcare, even just, um, gosh, you know, like uh, patient intake or something. Uh, well, let's just start with a clinical note, right? So you have a checkbox, checkboxes of things that you need to do. So it's like, yes, I did, I did X, Y, Z. Um, and, and half the time, it's just going through the motion of asking the question and the patient answering, like, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. But you don't know why. And this is where it's like, this is where I have difficulty kind of articulating this without getting into a, a two-hour-long monologue, right? Um, but it's, it's the, the devil's in, always in the details. So, so when we, when, when a nurse checks a box and says, yes, patient education completed, patient understood, did the patient really understand? Probably, maybe, maybe not. You know, they're in a hospital. They probably did not retain any of it. But in that moment, they understood. But I checked the box. I completed that task. <clears throat> Yay. Did I do anything meaningful? No. <laughs> you know, 
I just went through the motion because it's required. You know, every time, you know, we have to do this for every patient. Um, and, and so now you have, you know, you have the, the, the problem, the intervention, and the outcome. You have that all documented. But did it actually work? You know, did the patient retain anything? Um, and if it didn't work, you know, if the patient didn't understand it, then you check no. And then what do you do? Well, now you write a note to explain why. You know, so now you have this checkbox over on this part of the EHR, and then an explanation over in the notes section that gets buried in 10,000 other notes of explanations of why something didn't work. So, you know, the path of least resistance is just to say, you know what, for the most part, the patient got it. Click. <laughs> so, so you lose a lot of the detail and a lot of the, the why. And, and I think as clinicians, that's what we want to know, right? We want to know why. Why is a patient not adhering to medication? You know, the, the, there are a thousand different reasons. Maybe they lost their job, their insurance changed, they couldn't get the medication. Maybe there's a side effect that, you know, they, they just, I had a dry hacking cough with when I started my lisinopril and, and I don't like it. But they don't, nobody ever really follows up with them or, or asks why. And that's why we want to know is why. Why are you not taking the medication? I had a dry cough. Oh, okay. Well, you know, as a as a pharmacist, you can say, oh, well, we can offer like some alternatives. You know, let's go back to your primary care. Let's go back to your cardiologist and and talk about this and, and answer the why, not just patient non-adherent, patient non-compliant. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, I agree, and I think that there's so much. Um... Documentation is needed, but there's so much unnecessary documentation that, you know, we fall into the cycle of, hey, look, we just need to get through this. You know, I have four other patients that are like in critical condition that I need to go look at or, mm -hmm. you know, I have other things going on. Like we there's just so much going on that it's not out of negligence. It's out of OK. And then, like you mentioned, like, yeah. are they actually understanding it? Are they like figure, you know, like we don't have the time. And the reason for that is there's just so many things going on. And I think that's what people don't understand. And I tell people all the time, and, and this is not to say like, you know, we're bad at our job. We're really trying it. We're, we're really trying. And that's what I mean. Like we're, we're, everything is against us, but we still find a way to figure it out. And it's just, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like, what, you know, you kind of like throw your hands up in the air, like, what are you going to do about it? And that's what I'm trying to like figure out through my journey is what can we do about it? And I think that's why we need clinicians to open the door. I think we have to be more honest. Honestly, yeah. I think that we hide a lot of things because we want to be seen as competent, stoic, you know, all these things. But I think we do need to sh open the window, open the curtains and show people the chaos that's happening behind. Yes, in the short term, yeah. it might lead to some sort of, you know, some people might not trust us as much anymore. But I mean, honestly, that's already happening. So, yeah. but, you know, but I think that it also shows people like what the real problems are. And then once people know what the problems are, then they can actually solve them. And I think that's another thing that we don't do really well is articulating what the issues are. We just say, we just complain like, hey, we hate the HR. We hate all these things, but we don't yeah. tell them why we hate it, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think engagement <laughs> is a huge problem, right? Because even as you become frustrated with these systems and it takes time to sit down and explain this problem to other people, you know, to people who, who aren't embedded in the system and, and 
and know it. And, you know, even people within the system, like I said, even as a, as a frontline manager, you, you lose a little bit with each step up, you know, you lose a little bit of the understanding of what actually happens. And, and you kind of rely on people to say, yes, they're doing steps A, B, and C. Why? Because it's required. You know, I'm, um, can I prove that we don't need to do step A? Yes, but that involves not doing what has been proven to be the best thing. So it's it's really difficult. And and the, the reason that step A works is because everybody just makes it work, right? Because this is what we have to do. This is just the step we have to do. Um, and it's interesting. I kind of went through this as consulting for a company that's doing a, a new medical device. Uh, I wish I could say a little bit more about it, but... You know, when you're building a business case for this, for them to go to outside investors to say, yes, we want funding to develop this. How do you prove that it will help when all evidence says that current, the current technology works, right? I know, and every other clinician involved in this space knows that the current technology works because we say it works. Because we have to say it works, because it's improve it, it works. But the actual equipment that we have to make it work doesn't work, right? <laughs> so, you know, so you, you have this thing that, you know, we just document, you know, yes, the patient's hooked up to this thing. Yes, we're monitoring it. But do we rely on it? No, we don't rely on it because it's, it, it's just ineffective like 90% of the time. Under <clears throat> ideal situations when this was tested, yes, it works. But now, under real world evidence doesn't really work that well, but you know, you have to, you have to say you've done it. You have to go through that step. So how do you explain that to the outside world saying, well, we really don't rely on this because it doesn't really work like, you know, it's supposed to, when it works, it's great. When it doesn't, it doesn't. And nobody collects evidence on, on the detail of that, of, of, you know, yes, we have 100% compliance. Everybody uses this. And so the problem must be something else. No, the problem isn't something else. The problem is this. But we just make it work. So now you have this broken thing that doesn't really work, and now you have another solution on top of it. So it's the same problem with any kind of care process, care flow, is that, um, you know, we don't go back and look and say, and engage clinicians to say, you know, what can we do better? And, and why do we want to do this better? Um, you know, so that's hard. It's difficult. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try not to be too sarcastic because, yeah, I mean, you're really, oh, like, touching a nerve. And that's why I wanted to have yeah. you on, like, people like you on, like, you know, us, people like me, right? Like us, like yeah. we're us clinicians on, because I think these conversations need to be had more. And I think that mm -hmm. what you mentioned about us using something just because we're forced to use it and knowing that it's not going to work. So we're just putting a... We are knowingly putting barriers between us and the patient because we're told to do it, not because yeah. it works. And we're just looking at different metrics saying, oh, we had 100% compliance. Oh, our goal is to reach 80%, 85% compliance. And that's yeah. all that's being looked at is compliance. Oh, did they, did they hook up this person on this? Oh, were SCDs put on? Or were this, you know, like mm -hmm. there's all these things that we're constantly going through. And like people don't realize is, Half the times it's broken, it's not working, it's not telling us what to do, and it's constantly making our jobs harder. So you're adding more and more things, more and more complexities to patient care. And in the end, all of this is not just 
like us complaining about what's going on. This is not meant to be like that, but what mm-hmm. I'm trying to, what, what I'm glad you're highlighting is it's going to affect patient care and it does yeah. affect patient care. And that's the biggest thing. And I think that's why we're so passionate about it is because we got into this business, this career, whatever you want to call it, because we wanted to help patients. And the the fur, the further we get into our careers, the more and more barriers are put between us and the patient. And yeah. yes, technology has some things to do with it, but I think also technology can help us getting close, getting back closer to the patient. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. No, definitely. And I think one of, <laughs> one of the the opportunities I see with like you know AI and, and large language models and machine learning, whatever whatever you want to call it, right, is. Uh, is it offers the opportunity to allow clinical staff to document in the way they want to document, right? It allows, rather than just checking a box for compliance, it allows us to say, yes, we did step X, this did not work, and and to give the detail in that. And then you take, you know, we, you take the story, right? You take, we tell a story about a patient, we tell a story about our interaction, and it allows us to fully tell that story and then you have the AI take that story, pull out, you know, like relevant details or pull out the compliance checkboxes to say, yes, they did X, Y, and Z, um, and then explain why, you know, to give that summary, you know, extract and summarize. It gives you the opportunity to do that. Um, you know, and the, and the trick there is not to let AI run in a continuous loop on, on every documentation, but to always refer back to the original source. So, you know, rather than storing, you know, a thousand different discrete fields of checkboxes, all you're doing is storing a text document, for the most part, of the interaction between the patient and the clinician. And then you use all those text documents to build a whole, you know, story, summarized story of, of what happened with the patient. You know, and if you can do that, then you can, you can say, oh, I referred this patient to a procedure. Here's an extracted H&P from the patient's history generated by AI. So the clinician doesn't, you know, the doctor doesn't have to write a brand new H&P or, you know, just kind of fill in the blank H&P. They can extract that, transfer that over to the, you know, to the procedural side. The proceduralist can look at the H&P and go, oh, okay, this makes perfect sense why this patient needs it. And then go from there, you know, so if you can extract all those details and all that that needed information for the clinician who needs it. I think that's huge. You know, and then you're you're not just getting compliance from checkboxes, you're getting insights into patient care and why. So Yeah, I love that. And I think that <laughs> I, I and I, and you know, I think that we need to rethink the way we document and take notes and stuff. Like for me, mm-hmm. I think that I mean that's why I'm like really excited about NLP, AI, ML, whatever I mean NLP is part of a little subset of AI, but anyways, yeah. uh, natural language processing for those that don't know. But um, that's why I'm so excited about it because I think it gives us the flexibility to change and adjust our practices the way we want to do it. I think we're in a phase now in technology, and I think this is why I I encourage a lot of clinicians to get involved with technology. You know, just be a consultant, advisor, whatever, because we are in a we are going coming up to a time where we can literally change the way we practice for the better and customize our practice to us. And like you mentioned, you know, like for me, I think a note would be awesome if even with like this conversation or a 
that you have a microphone in the room just recording the conversation. We're not staring at a computer screen typing away because, you know, we don't want to be up till 11 p.m. at night writing our notes. It's just recording the conversation. And then after it's done, it just gives you, like you mentioned, it gives you the highlights, whatever. But the source of truth is always there. So if something yeah. is doesn't look right or whatever, you can always go back to the source of th- truth and just see what the conversation was. But, but you, you know, you take away the documentation part of it, whatever. And then the physician can go in or pharmacist, nurse, whatever, can go in, type in whatever they need to type in and then move on with their life. And, yeah. you know, that's why I'm really excited about these kind of things is because I think that we can, fun- but, but it requires some sort of thinking outside of the box, right? I know companies that are working in this space where they're transcribing things like that and writing notes and summarizing notes. And it's really, really, really um, awesome to me. Right. Yeah. I mean, but then people are like, Oh, well, how do you know? How do you know this? How do you know? Well, you know what? How do we know now? I don't think yeah. people realize that 90% of notes are just copied forward and most mm-hmm. 90%, I would say more than 95% of the note after the patient's been there for more than two, three days is worthless. Yeah. Yep. 100%. Yeah. If- yeah, patient in a hospital, the note is just uh, it's just an update from what was done previously. So you, you pull in the old note and then you you do a couple updates, you know, and then the question is, did the doctor or the nurse go through and actually read the whole note? Probably not, because. Like, it's like proofreading your own work, right? You know what you're trying to say, so you have that already in your head and that's kind of how you read what's on the screen. Um, but that's not always the best way to do it. So, and I think a lot of clinicians know we don't necessarily rely on the EHR automatic documentation, the parts we know that are automated, because it's, the question is, did it really happen? Did this really happen? Is this really what occurred? You know, if you want, if you want the details on the patient journey, you go to the individual notes. Then you have to search through those, right? Those just short little paragraphs and yeah. under the progress notes or whatever. You, know, you have to go through and search for those to really find out what happened. Yeah, I mean, so. the first thing I do when I go into a note is click um, hide copy text. And then I just look for <laughs> the non-copy text because, you know, you have this long note, obviously, because it, you know, you need to check some boxes. You need to say, you know, all these things. You don't want to keep on doing that over and over again because you're doing the same thing every day. Nothing is changing. And... Yeah. So like I I think it would be way more valuable if we were just allowed to write a note saying today this happened. You know, just write mm-hmm. just like write a conversation. Today I talked to the patient about this, this happened. And that's usually what the part, you know, in the assessment and plan is. Yeah. Um and it, I don't know, man. Like there's there's just so much random stuff, but but anyways, what are you excited about? You kinda of touched on AI ML. I don't wanna yeah. I don't wanna talk about the problems because I I don't I think everyone knows the problems, but I don't think they know the extent of the problems. That's why I kind of went into it a little bit more because you were explaining yeah. them. But I do like to talk about what, how can we help? So one thing that you mentioned is clinicians getting involved and getting involved early. Um, and I, I think that people already know why, but maybe you can articulate why that's really important. Um, yeah, like I, like I, 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 I kind of touched, touched on it earlier. It's just, just you, know, you know, the, the, the actual, actual details, details of what happens behind the scenes is absurd. I think most people would find it absurd because um, the majority of people don't have like really deep and extensive interactions with healthcare, uh, and I think the people that do are frustrated with it uh, because they see what happens behind the scenes. They see the loops that you know the the admin person is jumping through, the nurse is jumping through, and the doctor is jumping through to just try and get them what they need. 
um, you know, and then the hoops they're jumping through to to get it, you know, the calls to the insurance company, uh, trying to figure out why I was billed for X, Y, and Z. What does this even mean? Is this even a bill? <laughs> you know, um, you know, just all these all these things that that happen behind the scenes. That that the efforts that the individual nurse and the individual doctor go through <laughs> just to make things work, right? Um, yeah, so I think it's, the reason it's important is because the, 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 the clinician will tell you that, right? And, and like I said earlier, it's not, it's not the high level VP or the, the CMO. Um, it's, it's the, the person doing the work that, that really understands the workflow and can really help improve it. And, you know, whether you're, uh, the virtual care virtual first care company or, you know, designing something for healthcare. The the clinician, the, the the person at the front will tell you how do we really use this technology and what would really make it better. Because um, the further away you step from it, the the more noise you hear, right? The more the more you hear about reimbursement, the more you hear about productivity, the more you hear about uh, denied claims and all this. And you know, it gets it gets to be overwhelming, and so I think you you focus on what's easier to solve, and the easier to solve is the uh, is kind of the admin burden, <coughs> but not not the admin burden on the clinician, the admin burden on the system, which is two distinct things. <laughs> yeah, no, I always tell people that the solutions that I'm the most excited about are the most boring solutions because those yes. are the things that are automating administration, automating. Mm -hmm different things uh, not I think that technology if you're truly trying to help us uh, help us augment our skills not replace our skills because yeah. and this is not to like say like oh I'm like shaking my boots like AI is going to AI is not going to replace us anytime soon yeah. and it's like, all these people that are writing these articles and this and that I mean even I wrote an article about how it would replace myself but the whole yeah. point of that article was take away all the yes, no, black and white things. So then I can focus on the gray. Right now we have so much yes, no, black and white things that don't need to be on our plate at all on any mm -hmm. level. And those can be automated. Automate the automate the crap out of all those things because that yeah. will save us so much time. Because, I mean, how much time do you think you spend you doing clinical work when you were a nurse? I mean, I would say for me personally, it was maybe like, as a pharmacist, maybe like 10%. Yeah, something like that. The rest of it was documentation, clicking off boxes. I don't know what. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think as a nurse, <coughs> and, and it vary, uh, yeah, it's going to vary between like specialties and whatnot. But you yeah, know, in general, general like as, as a on a floor, you're probably legitimately spending maybe a quarter to a half of your time on actual patient care, right? And and the rest of that is just. Click, 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 going, going through the motions. Or even, you know, and, and to, to show how systems kind of focus on on the wrong thing, even the nurse going to get supplies, right? I had an argument, they got rid of one of our supply techs and, and that, that supplied multiple different areas. I'm like, this is, this is not good. I'm like, now I have a supply tech that was making $20 an hour being replaced by a nurse or a radiology tech, making double that, going down to get supplies, and that's from each area. You know, so we so we we don't look at the whole system in that case. We look at just the individual cost center. Where do we need to save money? 
you know, oh, we can eliminate the supply clerk. Yeah, but now you're, you know, now you're putting the work on other cost centers that, and it's not really reflected because everybody just scrambles to make it happen. Yeah. You know? And that's the thing. So. Yeah, that's the thing. Like I said, um, I think another thing why it's important for tech companies to reach out to clinicians is you get really passionate people that are really mm -hmm. passionate about the job. And obviously you're passionate about your solution because yeah. you wouldn't be creating it if you weren't passionate <laughs> about it. So if you can get two passionate people, multiple passionate people together, I mean, sky's the limit, man. You can't, you can't, you won't be stopped. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, like, like we talked about earlier, part of that's on the clinicians too, is I don't want to say not to be too passionate, but not to be passionate without uh, <clears throat> a, a willingness to compromise or to, to, you know, see things from a, a different point of view. You know, it can't be, no, this is the only way it can be. It has to be, well, hold on, this is the technology. Let me understand that technology to see how it applies in this sense. It can't be, you know, this is the way I want to do it. It has to be, how can we incorporate this in? How does it make sense? Right. Yeah, no, I think, and I think that comes with both sides, right? Like, yeah. like us not understanding the technology fully and what it's capable of, because I think sometimes people oversell solutions. And then when you actually mm -hmm. get down and like look into it, they're like, oh man, this can't do it. So I think that, there's always like an overselling happening. Obviously you're trying to get in through the door and whatever, but yeah. then on the other side, there's not a complete understanding of what the actual problems are. They see the end result of the problem and they're trying to fix that end result, but they don't realize that there's like 15 steps before that, that even if you fix this end result, it's still gonna keep on happening because you still have, yeah. you haven't fixed the upstream issues. And I think both sides, I don't, I don't know if compromise is the right word. I think it's an understanding of the actual problem and yeah. the, what, what the solution can do and what the actual problem is. And in the middle is where everyone needs to meet. And, but the only way we're going to do that is by talking to each other, reaching out to each other, taking an, well, I think this is a lot on the clinicians because I think there's a lot of people on technology side trying and willing to help. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, and I've talked to a bunch of them and some of them say it's hard to find people that are willing to listen to us, right? So we have to go out of our comfort zone and we have to reach out to people and we have to really... I think we have to extend our arm before any arm is extended to us, is what I'm yeah. saying. I agree to some extent, but what I also saw like early before I started <laughs> consulting, um, you know, just looking at jobs even within healthcare technology is how do you, how do you explain your value as a clinician to these companies? And especially with the startups, they're not looking for, they're looking for people building zero to one is mm. what I is the feedback I've gotten. And they're not looking for people who know actually what happens on the front line. Right. So it's and that's the feedback I've gotten. They're like, well you have a lot of general experience in you know in healthcare, in systems, in processes and operations, but you know, you haven't necessarily started anything from new. I'm like, well no, but you know, if you build, if you start from new, you're going to build the same system with the same constraints that, that we already have. You're just doing it in a virtual way. Yeah. And, I, you know, you're not going to address those problems. I had the same feedback myself. I once had yeah. a, and I don't want to dwell on this too much, um, but yeah. I once had yeah. a HR person call me, asked me if I applied to the right job because they're like, it, it didn't make sense to them why I applied to this job. And yeah. I told them, yes, I applied to the job. I do and, and they made me, say the job title and what the job did and it was mm -hmm. like 
to say I was frustrated is, you know, <laughs> it's putting it nicely. And I agree yeah. with you. And I think that, but I think those companies will just not survive because they don't understand the value. There are companies out there that do, but I do agree with you. There's a lot that don't see the value in clinicians. And I think, and it took me, honestly, until maybe like three months ago, I think that we need to, we need to help clinicians by, we all have transferable skills that go into technology. Like we don't understand what the hell the, the, like the dev team is doing. Like we can't go through scripts and stuff. They can't understand like how our, our skills can help them. And I think that we need to, we need to tell them like, Hey, this is how this skill transfers over to what you're doing. And it's just like, we're talking two different languages and it's just not coming through. And I think that, and I agree with you yeah. that they're not looking at us. And also there's a money thing, right? Cause we make a good amount of money. Some of these startups can't pay us, mm-hmm. but I think also that's used as an excuse to kind of lowball us and just whatever, but I'm not going to go all that. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? Like, I think that we have a lot of transferable skills and it, on, on, honestly, until like three months ago, I didn't know my skills transferred over because we just look at it as our job. We're just doing our yeah. job and we're doing it the way we're told to do it. But all those skills that we have, like we have leadership skills, we have, you know, uh, there was this, somebody asked me like, how do you handle stress? And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, I just ran to like three codes the other day. One was a pediatric code. Thankfully it was all oh. good for yeah. people that don't know what codes are. Codes are a life-threatening situation. Somebody comes in with a heart attack or something. And you know, when you go on ER, all that stuff where everyone's just running and all over, that's what a code is. And I was like, and in those, in those situations, you have to be calm, collected. You have to kind of run through algorithms. You, ha- you, you, you have to be outside of yourself. And I wanted to tell them that, but I was like, that's kind of a little extreme. But, you know, like we can't handle stress. We have leadership skills. We are very quick on our feet. I mean, you know, I mean, nursing is, I don't have to tell you, but, you know, when we walk into a patient's room, there's no notes, especially in the ER, whatever. There's no notes, no nothing. You have no idea what the, what's going on with the patient. We're going in blind constantly. We are always thinking on our feet. We are always problem solving. We are constantly like, you know, pivoting, even though people mm-hmm. think that we are, that we are not, we're very rigid and structured. We are, we are, we are one of the most fluid people that exist because we're yeah. constantly pivoting. Yeah. The system is, is rigid and structured. <laughs> it's the, the people within it that, uh, you know, make adaptations and, and like you said, pivot and try, try path B, you know, to that, that really make it work. But yeah, no, the system is very prescriptive, but the people within it are very creative within that prescription on, on how we get things done. Yeah, so I think it's, we, we are ultimately creative <laughs> in how we do things. Yeah, and all those things are what startups are looking for. Yeah. But I think we don't really, A, I don't think a lot of, I think the general person that goes into healthcare usually is somebody who is, you're literally going to a job that you're taking care of others. You're not taking care of yourself. Right. You know, we, you know, like, so we're, we're always not thinking about ourselves. We're usually most, most healthcare professionals are generally humble. They're not going to talk about, you know, how many lives they've saved that day or whatever. It's literally just, we're just doing our job. Right. And we, we cling on and we, most of us actually think about all the things we did wrong during the day. 99% of our day will be amazing. And then that 1%, you know, I still, there's like three, three stories in my head that go through my mind constantly. And they weren't, and thankfully they were not bad events or anything, but it's constantly in my head. And I'm like, oh man, I'm a terrible pharmacist. I, you know, I, yeah. I and there was one time I wanted to quit. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm just going to quit. But I, we don't look at all the stuff that we've done and what we do on a day-to-day basis. But, you know, right there, guys, we just made, a, we 
you need us because we are exactly the people you need. We are, we are, we have the prototype. We have, we have the mentality of what you need. We have persistence. We have resilience. We have fluidity. Uh, we're constantly breaking things and fixing them. <laughs> yeah. 3M, 3M transport tape is the, uh, the duct tape of healthcare, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you'd be yeah. surprised. I mean, and, and I, honestly, nurses are very ingenuitive, very ingenuitive. Um, I've seen a lot of things because, you know, at, at the point of care, you got to take care of the patient and you just need to make things work. It's not about, oh, let me call up um, supplies and this and that. No, with this person, we need to do this right now. Like no. we, yeah. we need to get it done. So, but yeah, no, man, um, I do want to touch back on your newsletter. Do you want to give people a little insight on what your newsletter is about, what you talk about? Sure. Um, so part of uh, my newsletter is uh, a nurse's thoughts on tech. Uh, it's just a Substack comes out monthly. My next one will be coming out in the next day. Uh, <laughs> my creative process is I write a newsletter. I'm like, gosh, that sounds angry. And then I rewrite it. So, um, but yeah, I like to give, I like to kind of go a little bit into depth and try and explain why, you know, and I think as, as clinicians, we like to know why. So why, why do things happen the way they do? What are the challenges in that? Um, so just to, you know, shed a little bit more light on the inside yeah no and it's a great yeah. newsletter and people right. need to subscribe to it um yeah. i've i mean even me as somebody who's worked in the system um find a lot of insight out of it so it, if especially if you don't work in the system you will it, it is definitely a, a good one to read <laughs> but uh if anyone wanted to reach out to you uh what's the best way for them to reach out to you um yeah i'm on linkedin it's probably the easiest way just uh send me a message um and uh, and we'll go from there. You know, I'm I'm happy to connect with people. Just to, you know, one of the things I like about consulting is I hear a lot of different things, right? A lot of different ideas, and some of them are good, some of them not so good. But it's always interesting to hear what people people's thoughts are in, in healthcare. You know, whether you're inside of it or outside of it. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. And yeah, John, he's an amazing guy. He's got a lot of experience, and also just he knows the system and he understands it. And, um, yeah, reach out to him. Um, he's, yeah, you won't, you won't regret reaching out to him for sure. But yeah, man, thank you so much for the conversation. I really appreciate it. And yeah, I mean, I'd like to end things with, you know, what kind of advice would you give yourself or somebody coming in to healthcare or technology? I mean, I guess since we're, I mean, we can keep this to healthcare if you want. Like, what kind of mm -hmm. advice would you give to somebody that's coming into healthcare, nursing specifically, right now? Wow, nursing specifically. Um, get, uh, use your knowledge to, to, and your, your skills to, to learn and be open to learning new ways. Um, but also, uh, don't, don't get frustrated. That's easy to say, right? But turn that frustration into something creative and or an advocacy to to make things better. Um, and it, it may seem like a Sisyphean task at times, but you know, just just keep trying and focus on the good you're doing. As you said, we focus on the one percent bad, but focus on the good. Focus on all the patients that you've helped along the way. Um, you know, and and use that knowledge to try and make things incrementally better. Yeah, so. I love that. Um, and then, yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that because that I think is an amazing message and I think everyone needs to hear that. So 
No, thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate it. And I will have all the links to your newsletter and your LinkedIn and everything in the show notes below. Uh, definitely reach out to him. He's a great guy. And yeah, thank you guys for, thank you, man. Thank you for everything. Yeah. Thank you. Right. Thank you. I really appreciate it. <laughs>